Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Rondo Felberg coming up here momentarily. The former BYU athletic director will get his thoughts on maybe what's going on in some of these athletic departments as they're going to try and do what they can, Gordon, to have college football or even college sports for that matter in the fall. Yes, and those two things are very much connected, like we were just talking about. Yes, yes, they are. So I, I wonder, you know, if, if Rondo's the type of dude that would like to be an AD uh, during this, you know, challenging time, or the type of guy who's like, well, you know, Tom, Tom's got it. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> else can figure out these. <laughs> Tom's got it. I'm going to be I, uh... climbing Mount Nebo. <laughs> yeah, it's it's remarkable the uh, the depth and and breadth of of the issues of the day. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint and make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, former athletic director at BYU, Rondo Felberg, here on the Big Show. Rondo, hello. How are you? Hello, Jake. I'm fine. I'm feeling great. We I'm heard of, sitting so, in a chair that does not squeak. <laughs> well, me too. Me too. Hey, we heard a rumor that you climbed Mount Nebo yesterday. I did. I did with uh, uh, a son and two nephews and one nephew's wife. Wow, I bet it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. I, it, I, I think the view from up there is, I mean, Timpanogos is really pretty, and it's a pretty mountain, and the view is pretty, but I think Nebo is prettier from the top. Hmm. Wow. Okay, you just stirred a, a bit of a controversy down in Utah County, because don't they argue over those two, which one of those mountains is actually higher? Well, yeah, I mean, Nebo has two summits. One summit is about the same height as Timpanogos, the other summit's a little bit higher than Timpanogos, and it is sort of recognized as the highest mountain on on the Wasatch Range. But but the, the, the Timpanogos is sort of the icon, and by far the most recognized. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Rondo. I uh, I took my toddler on a hike to Donut Falls, and I'm feeling like that just doesn't quite live up here. <laughs> Hey, you don't sneeze at that, Jake. That's that's pretty country too. I will I will tell you, it Donut Falls is really a cool hike, and the fact that you did it with your own little one is the big deal in all of it. You establish that habit while they're young, and when you're an old man like Rondo, they'll be taking you up those hikes. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, Rodney, one time I went on a hike with uh, a couple of my daughters and my wife, and there was the last little part of it, you could take a shortcut. The problem was that the shortcut was quite vertical, and it was mm-hmm. uh, sort of loose rock. And uh, w- someone uh, decided that we should take the shortcut and uh, make a long story short. On on the one in front of me, my wife was pulling me, and behind me, I think one or two of my daughters were pushing me up up the uh, steep part. So, uh, I, I if I did what you did 
yesterday, I would be sore today. Are you? Well, I I, I wouldn't say I'm sore, but I know I hiked a, a, a you know a big mountain yesterday. I know that <laughs> it it's uh, it's a whole different world. I'll tell you one. I, I mean, I am the guy I used to poke fun of years ago, <laughs> and and it is surprising to me. Uh, I mean, when they say old age is not for sissies, they're not kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Rondo Felberg is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, Rondo, you've, you've sat in the, the chair, the AD's seat. You've had that experience. What would it be like to have that job during the COVID-19 pandemic? It can't be easy. Well, first, let me just say that I, uh, I think anything I would say is a guess because there really aren't any precedents or any rules for what they're having to deal with. It's so new. Um, I mean, I have spoken with, with Tom and with Brian and with those guys down there. I've, I've been down there to kind of see what's going on, which is very little, by the way. And, and the precautions they have to take, I mean, it really is unprecedented. And, and I've tried to imagine how I would have handled it and, and, and how I would be handling it. And to, to be honest, I'm not sure I know. Um, there are some things you know for sure. And so, that is, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say some things you know for sure. And that is that, that, by the very nature of what athletes do, there has to be physical contact. Um, and, and social distancing is not something athletes are able to do if they're going to prepare and compete. Um, and so they have to figure out some things that they can do to, um, on the one hand, exercise care, and not be sort of stupid about things. But on the other hand, accept that you either are or you aren't going to compete. So, Rondo, how do you balance the welfare of the athlete with the welfare of the budget and of financial concern? Well, I mean, clearly there's a financial concern, and and – it's naive to pretend that that's not a big issue, especially uh, with football and to a certain extent also with men's basketball. The other sports have always uh, sort of just managed in spite of economics, <laughs> um, but those sports rely heavily on uh, the economic side of the equation. Um, and I don't think you can ignore that. At the same time, there are some other realities that I don't think are that obvious. I mean, I was talking with Tom, for example, and he said something that I hadn't even thought of before. But, but as I thought about it, I, I said, you know what? He is spot on. In other words, he said, Rondo, I think our athletes are safer here working out with us than they would be if they were home. He said, because if they were home, they'd be out all working out, trying to find their own workout regimens. They wouldn't have near the kind of quality control we have. We have our trainers. We have our doctors. We're able to check these kids 
every day at several times during the day if we need to, we are able to control so many more of the variables than they would control or could control if they were home. They're better with us than they are at home. That's not something that I had even thought about. Rondo Felberg with us and and kind of on that same note, talking about standards, right? Safety standards, those sorts of things and knowing how intercollegiate athletics work. Gordon and I were talking about this earlier today. How difficult would it be to get everybody on board for a a same, you know, a a standard that goes across division one football? I, you know, you think about the NBA and doing the bubble. Well, it's easy for them to say, well, here are the rules and we agree with the terms and salaries are there. Go. That's got to be so much more complicated dealing with not only universities, but public universities in a lot of cases. You're right. It is. And and then imagine this. In Add to everything you've just said the fact that you have a conference. Look at look at BYU in, in its basketball conference. The West Coast Conference has multiple states, many different communities that are in very different situations with respect to how their local leadership has dictated what they can and cannot do. And so in some areas, they've got one set of rules, and in other areas, they've got different rules. BYU, for example, has much less restrictions than the California schools have. And, and, and so how can a conference sort of work together and have a set of rules that work for everybody in the conference when they are subject to very different guidelines and restrictions imposed by their political leadership. So it's a, it's a very complicated situation. So if, if the PAC 12 is going to do it, were, if it were tempted to do conference only games in football, Rondo, and BYU has three different. Uh, am I remember, remember Arizona State, Stanford, and Utah? Is that on? Those are the three Pac-12 that I'm thinking of right now. If BYU is playing those teams, could they match their standards to what the Pac-12 standard is? As long as the political leadership is is on the same page. Oh, oh, sure, sure they could. That wouldn't be the hard thing. The hard thing would be Arizona's in a different situation than California which is in a different situation than Oregon and Washington in terms of their restrictions, in terms of what they can and can't do. Um, and so some of them are going to get to practice more than others, or in theory they could. And some of them are going to be prohibited from gatherings of a certain number, and others are not. And so it's going to be real hard for them to do that. BYU, I think, is in a better situation than most. Rondo Phil, uh, Philberg, uh, former BYU athletic director with us here on The Big Show. I uh, want to take you through a hypothetical, Rondo, and, and maybe take advantage of your legal background a little bit. If, if say, a, a Big Sky school was contracted to play a Pac-12 school, let's say you know, just – Weber State was was scheduled to play Utah, and the Pac-12 decides that they're going to do no non-conference games, so Utah therefore cancels the game with Weber State. How tricky is that legally, and can they do that? Would they owe Weber a payout? Does it depend on the case? I mean, what I would imagine the Big Sky team would, would fight for its payday. How, how, how does that work? It would depend on the contract that they had. 
um, the contracts that we entered into are pretty detailed. And while they, uh, when they were entered into, I'm sure weren't envisioning some sort of coronavirus scenario, they were envisioning a number of scenarios in which they might not play the game. And so that's all taken care of by contract. The, the interesting thing, though, is that um, these contracts have, uh, in the last decade, changed pretty dramatically from when I was athletic director. Not that the wording is so much different, but, but the way the universities have dealt with them has changed quite a bit. Um, when I was athletic director, we managed most of our contracts ourselves, and routinely I would send them up for BYU's general counsel to review, um, and they'd be sent back to me. I don't ever remember any uh, contracts being changed uh, by the general counsel's office. That's a whole different thing now, and, and I'm sure it's at the same at other schools, but at BYU, and I'm just aware of BYU at this point, at BYU, we have got several lawyers in the general counsel's office where I believe there were, oh, I think, maybe three or four total when I was AD. And now there are so many more lawyers. And those lawyers in the general counsel's office watch over all of that stuff now. It's just a completely different deal. Earlier, Rondo, you were talking about how what Tom Homo told you about how the, the environment might be safer for student athletes than it would be elsewhere. Well, they that's true when they're within the confines, but then when they go home, right, and they're college students, right, and then they have associations, and then who knows what gets picked up from where, and then they come back in. Uh, two questions in regard to that. One is, how many have to test positive before you think it would affect uh, the, the actual playing of a game? And uh, the, uh, the other one is, well, it, uh, let me ask that one first. How many, how many in your judgment, would uh, put in peril a game actually being played? Well, um, it would depend on the sport. And and how many athletes are involved? Uh, clearly, basketball would be a different number, but perhaps not a different ratio than football. Um, uh, at the same time, um, I, I would think that those those athletes would be tested every single day, every single practice maybe more than once at a practice. And so I would think they'd be watching that very, very carefully. Um, I, I think that we, we had a situation recently that I, I think I heard something in the press where a certain number of athletes tested positive and so the game was, was canceled. Um, uh, and I, I think I heard that just recently. That would be one of those so, tough decisions that somebody has to make. Yeah. On, uh, the other, yeah, the, other yeah, the, the other question I wanted to ask you is: would, How would you justify playing football if students aren't on campus? Well, let's assume 
there, there are more than one there's more than one scenario here, Gordon. One is students aren't on campus, but school's in session, and they've got some sort of modified um, uh, program where they where where school is being conducted online, and some of the laboratory experience may be going on, and some of the other things. But normal lectures aren't happening, or maybe only some portion of them are happening. That's that's different than them just saying, "Sorry, we're not going to hold school." Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I think I think they would have to evaluate that. But I think everybody knows that um, that these games, especially football in the fall, um, are a lot about a lot more than just the fans sitting in the seats. That's clearly the most visible thing, and it's a big deal. But there's just so, there are so many other things that are, that are going on uh, that have to do with how students identify with their college experience, even if they don't ever go to a football game. It still is part of what they kind of, in their mind, identify as their college experience. I want to switch gears a little bit with you, uh, Rondo, and get your thoughts on the the growing movement to uh, compensate players for their image and likeness and where you think this is headed and if it's a good thing. Well, that is so far beyond anything I imagined. I mean, I'm one of these guys who was so old-fashioned and so naive that I actually thought that we were doing these kids a favor. I thought I was being given a huge favor, and uh, the fact that they were giving me a scholarship and sort of gifting me my education while I was an athlete, I felt like I was the most privileged person in the world, and I felt like I was the richest person in the world, not because I ever had any money, because I never saw any money, but, but, but my education was being provided for me, and I couldn't imagine any greater payday than that in my mind. So this whole idea of now paying them because they're bringing revenue to the university and stuff is something that I suppose over time became inevitable, but it's just not something I ever considered while I was an athletic director. Another tough one, uh, Rondo. Do you, with with the social movement, with the uh, racial uh, equality movement, do you think that BYU will face difficulty based on some of the positions taken by by Brigham Young back in the day? Uh, I, I know it's a different day now, but do you think that's something that the school and and, and the athletic teams? Uh, any kind of resistance that they'll face uh, in that regard? I'm sure they will. Um, I, I'm, I'm certain it, when you look at how these um, how these movements flow, I'm certain someone will take advantage of that and use that against BYU in a way that will be very challenging. 
I don't know what the outcome of that will be. I've been very impressed in recent years with how the LDS Church uh, and BYU have managed that and and sought to kind of get out ahead of it. But it is a reality that is there that is, I, I'm certain, going to be used against them. Um, and people at a lot higher pay grade than mine are going to be making decisions about how to deal with that. But I don't know that there is an easy solution because the history is clear, um, clear there. And, and you know, uh, one of the challenges that all of us are having to deal with is we are being, we and our, sort of um, our forefathers and those generations that came before us are being judged and scrutinized through the lens of current understanding and sensitivity, understanding and sensitivity which didn't exist at the time when those policies were in place and those decisions were being made. And and, um, that's a tough one. But But I'm sure it's going to be real. I, I ask you this follow-up question because I respect your opinion, Rondo. If you were, if your advice was was being sought as far as what could be done moving forward to to improve this situation, how how aggressive would you get in that regard? Uh, I think BYU has done a good job of managing that within the context of the situations they've been facing. Um, I think that athletes uh, of color, athletes of every ethnicity have been uh, treated in, in a way at BYU where they feel like they're just like everybody else and there's no lines being drawn, no distinctions. They're not being treated either as um, some sort of uh, sacred symbol worthy of special treatment or treated like in any way a second-class citizen. So I think that all of that has been done very well. Having said that, um, I've been surprised at some of the directions these protests have taken, and I, and I have to say I uh, I wasn't... I wouldn't have been prepared uh, to manage uh, some of these situations. They're they're very difficult. Um, You you need smart people like Gordon Monson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know about that. Look, anybody that's raised a whole house full of daughters has wisdom beyond belief. Yeah, well, when 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 BYU administrators give me a call, Rondo, to ask my opinion, that uh, that's the day I'll call you and uh, and and get some more solid advice from you. So, yeah. well, I I've, I mean, the thing that is the, the 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 movement in college athletics toward professionalism and toward paying the athletes for their likeness and for their uh, for their performance um, is a is a sea change in uh, I think in athletics at the collegiate level and 
and the genie's out of the bottle, and it isn't getting back in. Well, Rhonda, we really appreciate you jumping on with us as always. It's great to hear your voice. Thanks for coming on and uh, and uh, sharing your perspective on this stuff. We really appreciate it. You are welcome, gentlemen. Have a great day. Back at you, Rhonda. Rondo Felberg, former athletic director at BYU, with us here on The Big Show. You know, when Rondo was the athletics director at BYU, he was pretty outspoken and very direct in, in some of his positions that he took. And I, I, there were times when I would listen to him and I would think, man, that's that's fairly progressive uh, and, and strongly stated, and that's one of the reasons I admire it. Now, you don't have to agree with every opinion that he had, but I liked the way he was willing to step right out and, uh, and and express that thought. I do remember one time I went down to BYU to do a feature article on on Rondo, and we went out to eat, and he took me to Supreme Burger or whatever it's called down there. That's where we ate. That Supreme Burger. I think what? that's what it's called. Well, what what are you saying as opposed to like a like a nice steakhouse or something? Where would you where were you expecting to go? I'm Gordon Monson. Yeah, right. I mean <laughs> hey, man, what were you expecting? A burger is one of my favorite meals, but it's, I just thought that was funny. It kind of sounds like you're up, putting we, it down. Uh not at all. It reminded me of the time when, when Lavelle Edwards took Lance Reynolds. I've told you this story. When uh, Lance had just been recruited by Cal and and the coach showed up in a rented Porsche and took him out to the nicest restaurant in town or whatever as a part of the pitch. And Lance's uh, dad was a BYU fan, so we called up Lavelle and said, Lavelle, if you want my son to play for you, you better get up here. And the next day, Lavelle shows up in a Volkswagen Bug and takes him to the McDonald's. It was across the street from the old Cottonwood Mall. Takes him into the McDonald's, and he turns to Lance, and he says, order anything you want. Well, first of all, it's pronounced Porsche. And second of all, isn't a VW basically a Porsche? No. They're different It's the same company. Entities. The same motor. But now, if that's true, then you could pick uh, the cheapest Chevy you could buy and say, and compare it to the Corvette and say, it's made by the same company. Still a Chevy, right. Doesn't make it the same car. The Beetle's still a Porsche, correct. Uh, All right, let's get on to the zone phone. (laughs) Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic is our good friend, Andrew Reinhardt, here to help out our listeners. I tell you what, Andrew, if you drive a Porsche, or a VW bug, uh, you're still susceptible to these issues in the bedroom. <laughs> yes, everybody is susceptible. No matter what car hey. you have, <laughs> EB can strike anybody. Uh, we've seen guys in their 20s and 30s. In fact, every day we have guys in their 20s and 30s in the clinic, and every day we have guys in their 90s. So, you know, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it sometimes. Uh, we know it's a widespread problem. We know, or at least our opinion is that we've been mistreating it for a lot of years. And finally, this acoustic wave therapy is more of a natural approach. Um, We think that this is a plumbing issue, blood vessels. X-rays show that they get clogged, they get damaged, and they even shrivel up. 
there's a physical shriveling up of blood vessels. And that means that the blood flow can't get through there. And they're already tiny, even in the best of circumstances. So our technology opens up and regrows, regrows those blood vessels. We see an increase of blood flow. And that means that the intimacy in the relationship comes back. The spontaneity comes back. And there's no medication. There's no injections. It's totally non-invasive. And typically in just two to three weeks, we can restore that normal spontaneity. So, Andrew, I don't want to I don't want to interrupt your your uh, thoughts here, but uh, I kind of do. Are you saying that you can turn our listeners and your patients who come in there fr- transform them from a VW bug to a Porsche 911? That's that's a very good analogy. Yes. So, 50 years old to 30 years old, VW to Porsche. That's perfect. Mm. And do me a favor. Don't use the word shrivel anymore, please. <laughs> Gordon. They get, we, they get smaller. We'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000. And now is the perfect time, Andrew. You've got a lot of stuff going for free. Yeah, there's you know it's difficult times out there. Um, we're doing a lot for free. There are guys that come in. They do the consultation with the doctor. They get their special gift. They do a blood flow ultrasound, and they don't go forward with the treatments. That's totally fine with us. The whole process is free. Exam, consultation, ultrasound. Uh, The gift produces instant results in the bedroom. Guys love it, by the way. I've never seen it fail. And that's just for calling that competency in the doctor. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. More straight ahead on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This one goes out to our boy Lundy. A little aqua bath for you. This reminds me of high school. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Gordo, uh, Hanson Scotty brought up an interesting dilemma. Can I run it by you real quick? We've got the yes. Not Sports Report at 450 and uh, Bowler at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. All right, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, uh, I, I'm trying to take a, a, a positive somewhat tongue-in-cheek look at a, at a serious situation here. But uh, the, the the story broke yesterday during the show that uh, FC Dallas was pulling out of uh, the Major League Soccer's uh, comeback tournament down there in Orlando. Uh, they had a coronavirus outbreak on their team, which I believe, trying to find it now, 10 players and one coach test positive for the coronavirus last week. Uh-huh. Uh, what what makes this a, a unique slash delicate situation is that Dallas was all FC Dallas was already in the quote unquote bubble in Orlando. Now Major League Soccer standards and the NBA's are are certainly different. But here's the dilemma, Gordon. What what are you rooting for as the explanation to the outbreak that a player uh, decided to break the bubble and go find a date, or? that uh, somehow they picked it up in the bubble from maybe the staff? Boy, I don't know. I don't know. Because you got to go with the date, right? Because you, you don't want the, the system to be flawed. You'd rather have it be like a, a lapse in judgment. Okay. Don't you think? <laughs> well, if you're going to look at it that way, yeah. Uh, I guess that would be 
the best way to uh, to explain it away. Plus, that would be easy to identify, point to, and say, don't do that. As opposed yeah. to if it's systemic, like maybe it's it's somehow somebody uh, coughed while they were cleaning the room or something like that. Like that's basically unavoidable, right? So, so then, do you believe then that that sports and entities will, once they get involved in this, that they will look for whatever they can do and say and present to be uh, rationalization uh, to put the best foot forward so that the enterprise can move forward? Wait, simplify that for me a little bit, Gordon. Sorry, I got a tad distracted. You, say that again. Do, do you think that that organizations, leagues will will look for the the best way to present stuff when it happens as opposed to pointing the finger back at a flawed system like what Ah, I see, about. I see. Hmm. Boy, you reminded me of Danny Ainger for a second, you know. No, I apologize. Austin uh, I, I, I Adam Silver old. has a statement we'll read here in a second. And Austin was <laughs> okay. communicating with me about that. So I, I caught like 40% of what you were saying. So I okay. apologize. Uh, I apologize for the, the clarification. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Uh, how would they <laughs> react? Let's see. I think they were, they're more likely to go, I don't know. Or maybe, <laughs> or maybe look for it behind the scenes, but not make the findings public. I don't, I don't even understand what, what, what you're trying to say by that. Does that make sense? Because obviously the NBA's behavior through all of this is they're trying to to avoid a PR disaster at all costs. Right. Uh, so I'm not I'm not even sure what that means. I would <laughs> guess that they'll just shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know. All right, guys, thanks. If it were going out to find a date in downtown Orlando, they're not admitting that. And if the no. the, the environment that they provided is not safe, they're not admitting that either. <laughs> no. I so I would guess they'll go. Uh, so, so, uh, commissioner, how, how did, um, Austin Horton pop positive with the coronavirus? His response? Uh, man, I'll tell you, I, I just, I don't know how this is all going to turn out. Cause you know that there are going to be, it's going to go on to be testing positive for things as these sporting events are, are, are put forward. I don't know how it's going to happen. With the NBA bubble, if that's what we want to call it, the uh, there in Orlando, you know that people are going to find a way to get in there. And maybe in some cases the players will facilitate it. So what, what's going to happen when there is a case or two or three or more? You take them off the line and move on. I mean, that's what they're going to do. Here's yeah. here's this uh, here's this quote from Silver Gordon. Quote: okay. We won't be surprised when they first come down to Orlando if we have some additional players test positive. What would be most concerning is once players enter this campus and then go through our quarantine period. Then, if they were to test positive, or if we were to have any positive tests, we would know we would have an issue. We would know that there is, in essence, a hole in our bubble or that our quarantine or our campus is not working in some way. So that would be very concerning, unquote. So then what do you do after that, Adam? You say, uh, well, I don't know how we got it. Next game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we're going to find out. Well, that's basically uh, all they can do for, for the yeah. reasons that we just, I mean, you're not going to say, well, Austin was out uh, at the, uh, the, the, the bar having a good time at the Tiki bar, the Tiki lounge, having a couple of cocktails. The Tiki room. They're never going to say that. And they're also, never I like, I like the Tiki room. By I the knew way. 
Yep, yep. It's a fun uh, place. Yeah, yeah. I I hear what you're saying. Uh, there's going to be something that's going to come up along those lines, and and I don't know. I, we'll see how. I don't. We, he was Adam Silver was flat out asked, "How many cases do you have to discover before it would really make a difference?" And he wouldn't answer that. No, of course not, because he's not going to pin himself down. He's not going to set a, a standard, because then he has to live up to that standard. I have to believe, Jake, that it's going to be relevant. I can't see an outbreak unless somebody is just absolutely disregarding the rules. And and there might be a little bit of that on the side here and there, but I'm talking about widespread. So I, I wouldn't expect that, would you, given those circumstances, given those conditions? No, I guess not. I think and, more and, people are going to break the the rules than you're acknowledging, but... Well, yeah. I, I I said they were good. there were going to people doing that, but uh, I mean, you think everyone's going to be doing that? Not everyone, I suppose. Not a hundred percent of the population there. No, I guess. In the tiki, 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 no, I, I uh, no, I think I think our boy Derek Arduino is going to behave himself. So there's one person. Oh, this brings back fond memories. Aaron Falk your, probably isn't going to break the bubble. Is that from the Disney thing? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. A, it's a, the tiki room, it's man. Terrible. And then when, when little you come animatronic out of the, birds and all kinds of when stuff. When you come out of the tiki room, then you go across and you get uh, a Dole Whip, pineapple whip, a uh, bit of treat, and uh, enjoy that. Hmm. Not sports port coming up next. Bowler at five ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone. Check this out. And now your not sports report on ninety-seven-five twelve eighty. The zone and the zone sports network. Little me first in the gimme gimme is going out to Aaron on a total request Tuesday. Funny songs or funny band names is our theme at Austin Horton at Jake Scott Zone, at Gordon Monson, if you have a request on a Total Request Tuesday. It is time for the Not Sports Report. Bowlers coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Not Sports brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Well, we're going, uh, I don't know where the one place is. The other one is in New York City. But I have two things for you. The first one is, did you see the video that's floating around online today? of the the man who is he has a what looks like a sofa attached to a paragliding oh yeah i saw apparatus. that yesterday yeah yeah mm-hmm. did you see that i did i mean okay it's so, just a naked man no the guy's no, fully no. clothed he's fully clothed but he he it, it appears as though he is just sitting on the couch not secured in any way He's got a lamp over on one side, and he's got like a TV set in front of him, and he's floating through the air like a thousand feet above the ground, and the ocean. and And you look at him, you go, one little extra gust of wind, and you'd be flying off that sofa. Uh, two questions. The first one is, do you think he was secretly secured underneath his uh, underneath his clothes or something? I, because that looked extremely dangerous to me. And then the other question is, have you ever had, do you need to feel as though you are living on the edge or, or, or 
on the threshold of death in order to feel like you're really living? Me personally? No, but I do realize that that uh, exists. It does. It does not look to me like he is uh, fastened in any way. But but what do I know? But what about he's that? Uh, he lo- he's lounging back on this thing as though it's nothing. Yeah, but what about that wingnut that uh, climbed Yosemite in twenty minutes or whatever? With uh, what was that uh, hand solo or whatever? Free solo. Free solo. Free solo. <laughs> Great movie. Okay, but I it mean, is. come on. How does that guy get out of bed in the morning? I mean, <laughs> he obviously thrives on that that feeling that you're talking about. So me, no. But obviously, there's those type of people out there. Uh, Austin, are you a thrill seeker? Uh, have we met? No, I work, I work at a desk job pushing buttons for you two. No thrills here. I I just, it's just always been astounding to me how, how some people, and I thought the same thing when I watched that free solo. I'm like, are you crazy? Maybe I'll have some ice cream tonight. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah, right. So, More so cautious. <laughs> I don't need that. No, Gordon, but that is a thing no. for folks out there. That is a Neither thing. Neither do I. And then thinking, speaking of uh, thrill seekers, a, a man was apprehended at JFK Airport. He flew in, and he happened to have like three duffel bags <laughs> full of of uh, four thousand year old relics from Egypt that he was smuggling into the country. Was his name Indiana Jones? <laughs> I said, so, "Don't call me that." <laughs> The quote in the story is from prosecutors. He says, these cultural treasures traveled across centuries and millennia only to end up unceremoniously stuffed in a dirt caked suitcase at JFK. Bag check. (laughs) How do how does someone feel like they can get away with that? Each bag had 500 and what was it? 590 antiquities. (laughs) <laughs> Covered in foam and bubble wrap. All I know is now JFK's cursed. Well, well, here's the thing. Do you, do you remember that show, <laughs> The World's Dumbest Criminals? Yes. You remember that TV show? So this is what I'm picturing is is some sort of guy who pulled off a caper, like like nabbed all these things but didn't plan it all the way through. <laughs> like, okay, I've succeeded. I've got all these artifacts. I've stolen them all. <laughs> okay, now i got to get them home. How, do I have to hail do a taxi I, here? How do, do I check this stuff? <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I mean, think about that, you know, like thrill-seeking. Here you know that you're smuggling this stuff in, very valuable stuff, treasures, and you're trying to make your way. You've made your way off the plane. You've got your bag, and now you're winding your way through the airport, and you are so close to freedom. And yet, there you get your bags checked, and then you're screwed, man. You were a, a smuggler once upon a time, right? You've done just about everything. I have never smuggled. The closest. Not a, not a smuggler? No, not a smuggler. So you were a well, semi-pro hockey player, but not not a, a smuggler. Kurt Thomas has footage that says otherwise. Ooh, smuggling clothes. That's true. I got smuggling them right a, out of the With building. a big old container of honey I tried to smuggle into the country from Jamaica once. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you were a, honey. a bad smuggler. I oh, you had a smuggling I, story. I it never it came, never ceases to amaze. You you've got a story every time we bring up smuggling. I, well, I smuggled honey once. I'm trying to remember whether whether I when I was in Germany when I was coming back into the country I had some stuff with me that I had purchased over there and I I don't know whether it had exceeded the dollar figure that it was supposed to 
to come back into the country. So there may have been some borderline stuff going on there. Mm. All right. Uh, nothing, nothing illegal. Speaking I think of- I, I think I snuck into California once with a bag of apples or something when, you know, they stop you at the, near the border there and, and tell you if, if, uh, if you've got any fruit, to, you know, anyway, nothing overly <laughs> dastardly. So you did have a smuggling story, just not an exciting smuggling story. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, it, it just doesn't seem like it'd be worth it, folks. Yeah. You know? Speaking of exciting, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he is our good friend, Andrew Reinhardt. And in all seriousness, Andrew, you guys are bringing some excitement back into relationships. We are. We're bringing it back into the bedroom. We're treating ED with a very effective and new technology called acoustic wave therapy. Um, We've been out here for many years talking about it. And now we're seeing journals and articles more and more written on it. Uh, Therapeutic Advances in Urology has written a lot about this. They've got a study out now with 300 different guys, different ages, different uh, degrees of erectile dysfunction. And after a long, many, many pages of data here, uh, they write kind of their conclusion. And they say that it's safe. They say it's effective. They use the word revolutionary. And then they said at the end, no side effects were found. So we're seeing that it works. It restores normal function in the bedroom. We can do it without medication. Uh, I've never seen a side effect, and I don't think there's ever been a side effect reported. That's rare in the medical world. And so we finally have an alternative to the pills and to the injections, which they've been around for 30 years. So guys are finding relief, uh, uh, especially a guy who has bad headaches bad side effects with the pill, or maybe isn't getting a result with the pill at all. And then we have guys that, you know, maybe it's 70, 80% in the bedroom. So it's not totally gone, but it's, you know, it's not where they want to be. They're very easy fixes as well. Um, We've seen it all. and, And it's been a game changer for a lot of guys. I bet because it's it's different. It's not like the others where you treat the symptoms. It, you're you're treating the problem. I'm sure there are a lot of uh, guys out there that are excited about it. We are. We're treating the problem. We actually carry two different kinds of technology, and probably the only ones in the country doing it. The FDA cleared device, um, and this has been shown to cause neovascularization. That's a that's an important word. That's the regrowth of blood vessels. They do this for joint repair or plantar fasciitis. That's the bottom of the foot. They do it to break up kidney stones. So it's been used, studied, and proven on other parts of the body. Now we're using it for ED, of course, and and seeing more blood flow where you want it, when you want it. 801-901-8000. Call now, 801-901-8000. And now is the perfect time. You guys have a great opportunity for our listeners. We do. Call Wasatch Medical right now, guys. If you're struggling with ED, you're sick of the pills, we'll do the initial assessment exam. Even the blood flow ultrasound is free, plus a little special gift. I think you'll really enjoy it. It produces instant results in the bedroom. That is free to those that call now as well. 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Bowler joins us next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.